This is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. And I'm Marcus Harvey. Education is one of the primary ways to expand one's horizon. Today, Marcus and I want to talk about a new program here in Asheville called Horizons that is using education to ensure that the future of its participants stay positive and in focused. Marcus and I will be back in a moment. Again, this is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. Uh, again, glad to be here in the studio at Blue Ridge Public Radio here in Asheville, North Carolina, and really, really glad to have you all join us in the audience. Glad to be here once again with my brother, Dr. Marcus Harvey. Okay. How, how things are going well for you, brother? <laughs> They're yeah. going good. They're going good. And one of the things I forgot to do in that first segment is just to say who we're going to be talking to today. We're oh, going to yeah, be talking yeah. to, and we're so glad that you all are joining us, we're going to be talking to Mr. Hamanshu Curver mm. um, to talk to him about this new and uh, this new program. And, Mark, you know, you and I have talked about horizons, expanding our horizons. And I think that I was fortunate enough to grow up in a family that had grandparents who uh, really taught me to kind of brighten my, who brightened my horizons to look further than just the space where I was, to use my imagination to do that. And I couldn't help but think about the, the whole issue and the concept of imagination and how imagination is important to expanding our horizons. Yeah, and my family also definitely encur- encouraged me to broaden my horizons um, as as, as a youngster, and I'm really excited as myself, an educator, a professor, I'm really excited about today's conversation. It really focuses, I think, on education. But I think this issue of imagination is key because um, I think at the at the, the sort of engine of the imagination is curiosity, right. and there is this danger um, in the process of acquiring knowledge that that um, of slipping into the idea that knowledge is sort of the uh, the end game right. when it's really not. Right. Um, it should stimulate um, uh, an expanding imagination. And right. Albert Einstein helped us to sort of realize That's that it. Right? So in, you're in his own work. Yeah, so. you're prompting me to think about Albert Einstein here as one of those thinkers and one of those uh, one of those people that I just love to think about and to quote often. And, you know, one of his quotes, Marcus, about imagination was that imagination is more important than knowledge, mm-hmm. for knowledge is limited, whereas imagination embraces the entire world, stimul- stimulating progress giving birth to evolution and i think that that really kind of captures what we're mm. wanting to discuss in discussing this new program called horizon yeah, absolutely i mean i think i think this is a key issue although i do want my students to in their papers to demonstrate some knowledge okay yeah, not just not strictly imagination <laughs> no, but no i think this is this is this is a key point to make <laughs> that's true well you know one of the things that i think is a very uh important too and i think that this this is what einstein was getting at is mm. that if if the education process helps to feed the imagination, mm-hmm. I think that you're more likely to capture people with a love for learning mm-hmm. earlier than you would otherwise. Absolutely. And again, I think that the core issue here is curiosity, right. right? I mean, how do we how do we really stimulate, cultivate a deeply embedded curiosity about the world, about what it means to be a human mm-hmm. being um, in young folk? And, 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 and I think if you're able to do that, then learning is something that they will grow to love. Right. You know, and I have to say, this before we go out of the segment, but you know, I talk a lot about my my mentor, Dr. John Hope Franklin, and I was amazed, Marcus, that you know, just before he passed away, he was ninety five years old, um, but he 
one of my last conversations with him, he was talking about how he was beginning to explore new fields of, uh, of endeavor, like studying women's history. So it was like it was a process that never ended. Mm, absolutely. I, I remember even in my youth, even though I'm, I'm a humanities scholar, I remember um, at a very young age becoming interested in, in various branches of science, like microbiology, right. like, um, like theoretical physics. And I still sort of explore these things sort of casually in an amateur way mm-hmm. now. But, um, but, but that sort of reflects this sort of growing curiosity that I have about the world that I think is important. Right. Yeah. So how do we capture people early Absolutely. with this? And this is the conversation we want to have with Mr. Curvair. And we will be back in just a moment. Again, this is the Waters and Harvest Show coming to you from Blue Ridge Public Radio in Asheville, North Carolina. Marcus and I are always so glad to have you all in the audience, glad to have you joining us. And we're very happy and honored, really, to have Mr. Hamanshu Kerver to join us today on the show. Hamanshu, thank you for coming in. Thanks so much. Taking the time. Um, Thank you. Well, you know, I think most people are going to recognize your name because you're a very active and engaged member of the Asheville community. Uh, Hamanshu right now is the current chair of the board of the Asheville Area Chamber of Commerce. He is also the current president and CEO of Vartel Hospitality. I think I got that right, Hamanshu. I hope so. But we're so glad that you took the time. I mean, you have a very busy and active schedule. And we want to talk to you about Horizons, this new program that uh, has been developed in you, one of the primary players in that. But Hamashu, uh, before we jump into that, if you don't mind, I would really like to just talk a little bit about your own history, your background, because you and I have had the chance to sit down and talk with each other before. Your, Especially your wife's parents are immigrants to this country and have used the opportunities that this country has afforded in just marvelous ways, and you all are really active in giving back. Can you tell us a little bit about that story, that backstory? Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to be here and speak to you about Horizons. Um, um, like you mentioned, uh, my father-in-law, Bob Patel, is an immigrant, uh, as am I. Mm-hmm. Uh, I immigrated to the United States in '93, uh, and uh, my father-in-law came in 1972, uh, I believe. Um, and his primary reason for coming to the U.S. was education. Um, he already had a bachelor's degree in, in engineering in India, and he wanted to come here and do his master's. Right. Um, and that's what started. Um, he was the first one in his family to ever not only live his, leave his village in India, but to travel abroad and, right. and study. Um, his, he's got some interesting stories about 1972 uh, New York City coming. <laughs> uh, coming in from India. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just like most immigrant families that come here, uh, he had a dream and a hope uh, and, and, and success in this country. And uh, he's, you know, his education helped him uh, not only get a job, bring his family over, settle them down in the, in, in the country and start a business. Um, and for the last 38 years, uh, he's been in Asheville. Um, and that's when uh, my wife and I, Swati and I, um, moved back to Asheville in 2003 and uh, have joined the family business and continue to uh, not only carry the torch for education, but also the business that we have. And I'll tell you, uh, Hamashu, I I wanted to to take the time to talk a little bit about that because the conversation that you and I had earlier, I was just amazed just to hear the story. It's it's a very inspiring story. And I think that that's important in the context of the time that we're currently living. Mm -hmm. And just to see how people – 
can come to this country and make a, a significant contribution to it and then use what they've been able to build to try to help other people uh, have those same opportunities or to take advantage of that. So it, it is a wonderful story. Yeah, and I think I think it's really important uh, that to, to note that your father-in-law, so he's, 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 he's immigrating to the U.S. in the early 1970s, and, and he's, he's really through his own industry, is really creating opportunities for himself um, and his family. Um, not too long after sort of the, the sort of height of the civil rights movement. It's a fun point to make. Uh, but Hamanshu, could you say a bit about um, the question? Because there's this, there's this narrative out there that says that, oh, you know, as long as you can get here, it doesn't matter your skin color, your, your religion, your ethnicity, et cetera, et cetera. Opportunities are available for you. Do you buy that narrative, Hamanshu? Uh, <laughs> um, given your own family history, you, you, you and your wife have been here for a while since I think you said two thousand. Well, you've been in Nashville since two thousand three, right? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, but do you buy that that sort of broader narrative? <clears throat> um, I, I, this is all from my experience. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't uh, don't have studies or co- I can't quote any numbers. But mm-hmm. you know, uh, when I moved here in nineteen ninety, when I immigrated to the United States in ninety three, um, I was eighteen years old, and again, never been out of the country uh, from from India. And it, 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 I was a little bit apprehensive coming to a country where, um, you know, you hear stories here, but, you know, outside in the international, you know, there's a different narrative going on about uh, immigrants and, um, you know, the color of your skin when you go to, when you go to U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came, in, I came here 18 years old. I went to Atlanta. I was at Georgia Tech. Um, to get, uh, I knew I wanted to do engineering. Hmm. I had family in Atlanta, so that's where I ended up. Um, but I have to say, my experience was totally different than what I anticipated when I uh, when I was coming here. Right. Hmm. Um, maybe it was because Atlanta was a bigger city, uh, and Georgia Tech was a university that had many international students, um, and there was a fair bit of Indian population that um, that was supportive of, of immigrants and of, of, of families coming in. Um, so it was, um, and I, I, I worked in a gas station in a, lo- a little city called Kennesaw, Georgia, which is a suburb no, of, Kennesaw. you know, Kennesaw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I worked in this for seven years when I went to school. I worked at a gas station and got to know the people really, really well there uh, that would come in every day. And um, I have to say, and even here in Asheville today, most of the f- people I talk to and get to know uh, no matter what age they are, no matter what background they come from, I think the basic uh, human, um, the basic human, um, the beliefs, whether it's religious, whether it's family, they're all the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what connects us. And that's how I've made friends with 70-year-olds and 5-year-olds. No, right, right. Uh, because I think <clears throat> our basic humanity, our basic tenets that we, we live on, are the same. Um, and I think um, opportunities exist for everybody. Right. And it's interesting to hear you say that because I, I was sitting here thinking, I'm going to have him come do a lecture at the university for me in the humanities program. Yeah, oh, this I, is I, what I we're talking great. about. You know, our basic and common humanity, being able to see that. And, you know, mind you, sometimes we look at these national conversations, the things that we hear on the news, and they don't necessarily comport with the experiences on the ground. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've seen that and I'm hearing that come out in what you're saying. And, and I'm hoping that people, 
that as people hear that and hear you talk about it, that they will be reminded of how important those human relationships are and just connecting with people on a basic human level. So it's it's an important thing thing for us, I believe, to think about. Um, So I think what is wonderful about your story and then your family, you've you all have been successful business wise in building a company um, here. But what has you have a passion um, that I've seen in the conversations that we've had together. I mean, you're an active member uh, on I think UNC Asheville's foundation board, so you're there. Education is important to, um, to your family, so your family is really really working hard to pay it forward. You know, and to pre- create opportunities uh, for other people. You know, what what is the driver? Why do you see that as an important thing for people to think about and to do? Um, you know, when I, like I said, I was 18 when I came here. My parents were still in India, and they put me on. They gave me a ticket, put me on a plane, and said, "You're going to America, mm-hmm. and you're going to help." You know. You're going to help our family settle. Right. I was like, okay. Uh, well, just, well, yeah, I just have to say, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> I couldn't imagine having to do it. I did that. I went to Virginia. That was going to a foreign country for me. <laughs> well, but, but I think my experiences in India really got me prepared to where I am to be here today. But my, my, one thing my dad told me and my mom told me is, you know, you're going, you're 18, you're going to, you know, you're going to see all these things over there. But one thing I want you to remember and focus on is getting your education. Mm. Um, um, I was moving here with family, and we had the conversation that, you know, I have to finish college. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really stuck with me. And I, you know, it took me six years, unfortunately, to finish a four year degree. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I well, got there. The you know, once again, you've given me hope because I have a son right now. <laughs> I have a son right now who, who started. He, he started, but then decided, well, you know, I don't think I want to go back. And Marcus can tell you, I've been a little bit bothered by that, but you, you give me much hope. <laughs> but I, I did get my, um, and I, you know, went, when I was in Atlanta, I met, met my wife, Swati, and, you know, she came from a totally different background than I did. Mm-hmm. She was born and raised here. Her dad had, you know, been here in the country for a while. They were well settled. Um, and we had different experiences, but the one thing that was common between us was the importance of education. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we had children, you know, uh, and we came back to Asheville and, and joined the business that her dad had started, um, it really, and even having conversations with my father-in-law, um, you know, how much he had supported his family when they when they immigrated to the mm-hmm. U.S. You know, he paid for, and he doesn't tell this to anybody, and I'm going to tell this on radio now, mm-hmm. that he is, uh, he, you know, he's paid for college educations for all his, all his uh, nieces and nephews and, mm-hmm. and, and numerous other uh, people that uh, might not even know that he supported right, them. Right. And that truly was an uh, inspiration for us. And, you know, it took us... Um, a good bit of time to get back into the business, settle down, have our family, and then you know, when, then when we decided we have to give back, uh, you know, we live in such a wonderful community. Asheville and Buncombe County have been good to us as as our family and our mm-hmm. business, and um, and my father-in-law had already started giving back, and we decided we have to uh, do, do, do that. And education was. Was key. Was what we had to yeah. focus on. And, and those comments are a great segue, Himanshu, because, you know, it, it, I, it seems that it would have been very easy, you know, given, given your father-in-law success, given your family business, et cetera, to sort of focus on that, to focus on your family's continued success, et cetera, et cetera. But yet, 
uh, you became interested in the Horizons program, which is sort of sort of pulling you um, into sort of a, uh, a much broader sort of uh, community with that had this own set of concerns, issues, challenges, and so forth. Could you say a bit more about what attracted you specifically to the Horizons program sure. and, 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 and to sort of adopting a leadership role in that program? Well, before I do that, mm-hmm. let me just want to say that. Sure. Yes, but I also, I'll also want to say that you know, my wife and I, we spend as much time on business as we yeah. do. <laughs> because if we don't do that, no we won't doubt. be able to do any of this. <laughs> right. um, but so two years ago, um, this is an interesting story. My wife was reading a magazine, and there was an article about Horizons National in that magazine. Uh, and it specifically talked about the summer slide um, in, in children that come from low-income families um, that, you know, whatever education they get in, in nine months at school – during the three four months of summer, um, they fall behind. Mm-hmm. So if they're they're starting off, uh, uh, so let's say for example somebody going from a kindergarten to first grade, you know when they go to first grade, because of the summer break, they they're hard to get enrichment during those three months. Mm-hmm. They're starting uh, first grade maybe uh, three or four weeks behind, or sometimes two or three months behind uh, from their other peers that might get education throughout the summer break. Um, and then because of my involvement in the community on, on, on the chamber where we looked at early education, where we were looking at reports, um, I saw that there was definitely a need in Asheville to have a program like this mm-hmm. that would help bridge that summer gap and, and, and give continuous learning. And, um, th- and, the, and the other good thing was the program has been successful uh, in about 54 sites mm-hmm. throughout the country. And they have uh, data on that. So... Um, Really looking at those numbers, we were like, okay, we have to do this here in Asheville. And that was two years ago. Um, and we we decided we want to do it, and we started working on it. Right. So it's a summer program, summer enrichment program, and it's clear from what the conversations that you and I have had, Haman Shu, that this is not a one-and-done program, right? So can you tell us a little bit about how it works? Because I think this is this is a remarkable model um, uh, with students who go in this year. They're not one-and-done. They'll hmm. be coming back again, right? That's correct. Right. So the way the program is designed um, is that – it's a six-week summer program. It, it starts at um, 8.30 in the morning and goes on until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we provide breakfast, lunch, and snacks throughout the program mm-hmm. for six weeks, uh, transportation. Uh, but yes, uh, Darren, you, you, you're correct. Our first group of students that started this year, mm-hmm. uh, they're the rising first graders. Um, on, on, uh, they will graduate, quote-unquote graduate, um, and they'll come back next year as rising second graders. And then we'll start with a new batch of 15 rising first graders in year two. Uh, and that's the success. That's the beauty of this program. And the success is the students that we start with continue to come back and, and, and until the program ends, which right now it's still eighth grade, but our goal is to continue into till 12th grade. All right. And, and I'll just say too, Marcus, mm-hmm. before you jump in here, um, that, 
the kids that are there this year, just a beautiful group of kids. You know, I was able to be there for the opening day of the program. Um, I'm, I'm honored to have been asked by Hermanshu to serve on the board for the Horizon uh, program here. But it was just great to see this group of kids. They were very enthusiastic to be there. And so I, I was inspired by them. Yeah, and, and it's great to know that there's really a focus on ongoing development um, of students over time. Uh, could you say a bit, Hermanshu, about how students are selected uh, to participate in the in, in the summer enrichment horizons sure. program. So the, you know, one of the success, the reasons for the program successful is not only because they come back, hmm. but there's also ongoing touch points with the students throughout the year when they go back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, so the partnership between the horizons program and the schools is very important because you know we want to go back talk to the teachers, see how they're doing, what we need to focus on when they come back. Um, And again, nationally, the program is set up to partner with uh, public schools. So for example, Asher City Schools or Buncombe County Schools here uh, is what we would partner with. Um, We this year actually, for our first batch, we have partnered with uh, uh, Youthful Hand Mm -hmm. with Eleanor Earl, and she was very Mm -hmm. instrumental in getting us our uh, first batch of students um, because because of the commitment that families have to give to the program to come back every year, mm-hmm. uh, we really needed to talk to the parents, get them to understand. And it's not easy launching a program program like this. Um, when from the community we heard back that, you know, we've heard programs like this happen. They come and go, and th- there was um, there was much much not much confidence, mm. um, which was, you know, it was surprising to me, uh, but. Because of Miss Earl, we were really able to talk to the parents, get them to understand that this is, you know, we're 100% committed to this program right. to keep it going. Yeah, somebody like Miss Earl in, in our community here, whose conversation we should have with her, too, you know, she is so on the ground. She's one of those, you, you call them a foot soldier who is just making things, making things happen because it's a lot of work. It is. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, going, I think next year, we are going to uh, talk to city schools and county schools and see if we can get in front of the parents of the rising first graders and present this and say we're going to take applications for 15 students. Um, so in the, we'll have application process next year. We'll have forms available to fill out, and then we'll select the students. Um, the good thing is that uh, siblings of, of children that are already in our program are automatically enrolled. Okay. Yep. Oh, wonderful. And I know that Marcus, uh, Marcus and I have been reminded by his mother um, that – the, the lives that we kind of live as academics are quite privileged. <laughs> we have time to to read and to sit and be reflective, and that other people don't necessarily have the time to do that because people have, lead very busy lives. But um, you know, I think finding the time, Marcus and I, uh, I think our retort retort to his mother was that look, you know, finding the time to do those things is just something you should just put a high priority on. Is that fair, Marcus? I think that's very fair. Very fair. Well, you know, uh, Marcia, you talked about some of your partners, and I know that one of your partners this year is the Carolina Day School. How did that partnership develop? Sure. Uh, the program, again, um, the way it's designed and, and, and carried out in the rest of the 50, 52, 53 sites is it's a partnership between an independent school or a university or a college uh, with, with the uh, local schools. So... Um, like I said, you know, my children are at Carolina Day School, and my wife sits on the board uh, of trustees over there. Um, so it was the natural connection that we made that if we want to launch this program in Asheville, well, we should talk to Carolina Day School. Uh, so 
we, we, we uh, my wife made a presentation to the board of trustees there. We had conversations with the head of school, Kirk Duncan, over mm-hmm. there. And um, as, as it happened, Kirk Duncan, who was uh, who was two years ago new to Carolina Day School, uh, had been in Atlanta where he had was head of school where there was a program, Horizons uh, Active. And um, so he was 100% on board uh, to have that at school, and so was uh, the board. And and it really is more than just a partnership. It is a Horizons at Carolina Day School program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We use their classrooms. Um, you know, uh, we have all our back-of-the-house accounting and stuff is done by Carolina Day School. Wonderful. Yeah. And so, so, so we noted earlier that this is the first year of operations for the Horizons program. Could you say uh, just a bit, Amanshu, about what this sort of first summer has been like uh, <laughs> in terms of your experience? Um, and also, what sorts of, what sorts of activities, um, et cetera, are students involved in? So um, it, it, it definitely has been a learning experience for everybody uh, in the first week. We had the children get off the first day. You know, the kids get off the bus, and, and we're welcoming them. And they're apprehensive as well as we are apprehensive about the, not, not knowing what to expect, really. So we plan, 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 and we get there. Um, and it's it has its little bumps here and there, but we work through them. Um, we, you know, transportation being an issue, some of the children had to mm-hmm. be picked up really early, for example, uh, at 6 o'clock for 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just, you know. For rising first graders, that's tough. So we had to tweak our schedules a little bit and, and provide transportation outside of the, the scheduled route. Uh, so we worked on that. Um, green opportunities, providing all the lunches for us. Oh. And um, some of the menu items were a little bit too exotic for the children. Okay. So we had to adjust our menus. I mean, little things like that. That, uh, But swimming is a mandatory part of this program, and children have to learn how to swim. So a partnership with the YMC has proven wonderful um, and, and providing swimming lessons. Uh, we're doing field trips with them. Um, and, of course, the main focus is academics. So most part of the morning, they are either doing math, reading in small groups. So it's a group of 15 children with two full-time teachers in there. All right. So can you would you uh, characterize this first year as successful? Have, have, have the students maintained um, the enthusiasm that they showed on that very first morning? Yes, they have. Yeah, right. um, I was there last week um, at 9 o'clock, or 8.30, sorry. And then um, they were doing mindfulness, and the students were actually quiet for a whole minute. Wow. <laughs> first graders. First graders. That's not Whoa. easy. Whoa. Eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, Amarju, for those who may be listening who want to uh, get more involved in, in helping to further build the Horizons program, uh, what can they do? Uh, how can they sort of connect with this program? So, uh, you know, we have a website. It's uh, horizons at carolinaday.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and all our program information is listed on there. Uh, there's always a donate button. So if you want to help, okay. we, awesome. we're always looking for funds. Okay. Um, and just, and just yeah. go to the website and, and Marcus and, and Marcus and Marcus and I will make it available on our sure. Facebook page. Sure. And we'll make sure that people get it. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation. It's an important conversation. And Amashu, I want to thank you for coming in, Thanks taking so the much, time, Amashu. busy schedule. So Marcus and I really appreciate you stopping by to talk about this important program. And we'll be back in a minute. Well, this has been, again, the Waters and Harvest Show. Marcus, I really enjoyed this conversation, so especially when we talk.
talk about trying to get uh, early uh, people yeah. enthusiastic about learning. And I was there on that first day, and the, and the children, when they arrived, they were very enthusiastic, and the, the, the teachers who were involved were, were really, really good at helping to get everybody enthusiastic. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure there, there's a more valuable or important way to give back to a community than through not only providing um, alternative educational spaces, but spaces that encourage excitement around right. learning. So I think this is just a key contribution that Hamashu and his family are making. It together. is, and I and I couldn't help but think about Alexis de Tocqueville here and what he I said it about coming. it. <laughs> and what he said about America, that Americans, that this was one of the things that's unique about America. America is that people in communities find ways to work together to address some of these needs. So Marcus and I want to again thank you all for joining us today to remind you that the Waters and Harvey Show is produced at Blue Ridge Public Radio in Asheville, North Carolina. And you can listen to our podcast on BPR.org, on the BPR mobile app, and on iTunes and Google Play. And we hope you'll follow us and get in touch on Facebook and Twitter. And Marcus and I will look forward to talking to you again next time. Take care.